0: Hey everybody, good morning. On, yeah, yeah, my name is Eric. Good to be the pastor here. Good to see you all. I uh, just want to again just say, uh, yeah, great to see you all. Would you stand for the reading of God's word? Uh, oftentimes I have a TV up here with my slides or slides back here. I'll send it to Josh, but I rewrote my sermon last night and this morning. So uh, no slides today. We're going old school. Uh, but if you have your Bibles or if you uh, have a Bible app on your phone, you can pull it out. I'm going to read out of Acts chapter 4. And uh, we're going to be at verse 31 through the end of the chapter. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this opportunity to gather We thank you for your love and grace in our lives. We thank you that Jesus came announcing good news, that the powers of death and Satan and hell have been defeated, and that he inaugurated a new kingdom, an upside-down kingdom. So Jesus, as we dive into your word this morning, I pray that we would have open hearts, open minds, that any stress, worries, anxieties that we're carrying right now, God, that we just give them over to you. That this would just be a place and time, in this moment, we could just receive to breathe in your grace and your peace your love, your joy. Thank you, Jesus, that you love each and every one of us so, so much. In your name we pray. Amen. In the early 20th century, there was a race to see who was going to be the first people to achieve powered flight. Samuel Pierpont Langley was given a chest of money by the War Department to figure out this whole flying machine thing. He was brilliant. He was a Harvard graduate. He worked at the Smithsonian. He was extremely well-connected. So he hired the greatest minds available. Everyone was rooting for Samuel Pierpont Langley. But my guess is most of us have never heard of Samuel Pierpont Langley And then a few hundred miles away in Dayton, Ohio, Orville and Wilbur Wright were working on the same problem. How do we conquer powered flight? Honestly, they had none of Langley's recipe for success. No one on their team had a college degree, not even Orville or Wilbur Wright. They had no funding. They used the proceeds of their bicycle shop to fund this mission of trying to figure out powered flight. While the New York Times followed Samuel Pierpoint. Langley, wherever he went, the New York Times just ignored Orville and Wilbur Wright. But Orville and Wilbur Wright were driven by a cause, a purpose, a belief. They believed that if they could figure out this whole flying machine, it would change the course of the world. Samuel Pierpoint Langley was different. He wasn't driven by a cause. He honestly wanted to be rich and famous, he wanted to be the first to achieve this and get notoriety. The Wright brothers were different. They they went out, and every time they went out, they'd have to bring five sets of parts because that's how many times they would crash their airplane trying to achieve flight before they came home for supper. And then eventually, on December 17th of 1903, the Wright brothers' airplane took flight, and no one was even there to experience it. What they achieved didn't make the front page of the New York Times. In fact, they didn't even write about it for three days. They changed the world... And no one immediately noticed. See, you and I are making choices every day. We're making votes for the kind of person that we're going to become. But many of those choices that you are making day in, day out, are going to go unnoticed by most of the world. But you are doing something important. We've said that the things we do, do something to us that every choice we make is a vote for the kind of person that we want to become. The Wright brothers succeeded because they had they were living for a purpose bigger than themselves. My question this morning for you is what are you building your life on? What is that true north that you are guiding your life towards? Is it building a bigger nest egg so you can retire comfortably someday? Chasing pleasure and experiences? Are you living for safety, and that causes you not to serve, be a part of a community group, or meet with someone one-on-one for discipleship? Are you focusing on your career and building your business at the expense of all else? We're starting this new series today called The Upside-Down Kingdom, and we're going to tell the story of the gospel, the story of Jesus, the good news, but kind of tell it backwards. We're going to start with where we are today, and the story of the church And then move our way backwards through the gospel uh, to the cross around November, and then backwards to the cradle uh, to the story of Christmas. So let's be a little different. Uh, There's some movies I like um, that tells the stories backwards. I think it's an interesting take. So perhaps you've heard the story of Jesus in the church many, many times, but perhaps by working through it backwards, it'll kind of give a new perspective. Because in the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at what a Spirit-empowered life and ministry looks like. We're going to see how the Holy Spirit empowers us. He empowers us for ministry. He empowers us to have an unstoppable partnership. He empowers us to have irrational generosity. I think it's good to talk about this idea of the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? What does this all mean? See, I think oftentimes in churches, in evangelical life, we kind of boil down the message of Jesus, believe and when you die, you can go to heaven. But that's not the message that Jesus came teaching. There's got to be more to that. I think we've lost the plot in a lot of ways. Even go back to the ancient creeds, We don't say creeds here a lot, but perhaps you grew up in a Lutheran context, and maybe you say the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed. And oftentimes they talk about Jesus born of a virgin, sinless in nature, of the same substance of God, was crucified and buried, and then rose again. But what about all that stuff in between? Why did Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John include all these chapters— in between Christmas and Easter, was it just because they were curious? Were they just like, "Well, we're going to worship this Jesus, so so let's let's put some stories of things he did. These are cool miracles, some cool teaching, but it doesn't really matter. What what really matters is the incarnation and, and the resurrection. Or, or is there something the gospel writers are trying? To communicate to us that perhaps we've lost the plot on that's what in this series we're going to explore a little bit about this idea of that Jesus came inaugurating the kingdom of God is a little foreign to us because we don't live in a monarchy. Amen. <laughs> we live in a democracy. Like. Like We think the Brits are a little weird with their kings and queens and, you know, Prince Harry and and Prince uh, uh, William, you know, uh, and and on that whole story, we're like, that's kind of strange. And so Jesus is talking about a king and a kingdom. What is that all about? Is this kind of outdated language? Well, the idea of kingdom really comes with this idea of, of stewardship, of influence, that And the Hebrew concept of kingdom Has a lot more to do With a verb than a noun Our English doesn't translate it really great And so when you think of kingdom Don't just think of the boundaries Of where a king has authority and influence It's more to do with that influence And that ability to rule and reign Over a sphere of things God created the world And in Genesis 1 we see that Let us make man in our image. And then, the very first time in the Bible, we see the word rule. He created us to rule and reign under his authority as his representatives to be the ambassadors of his kingdom, of his influence here on earth. But what happens after creation is the curse and we don't trust God And our foreparents made the decision to take things into their own hands. And now all of creation is groaning out of the effects of sin. And this world has been tainted by that. And us as image bearers who were supposed to steward the rule and reign of our king, we mess up again and again and again. And the story of the Old Testament is the story of of a family chosen by God who then became the nation of Israel and they were supposed to be a shining light but they messed up again and again and again and eventually the God of the Hebrews, the God of Israel found in the Old Testament came in the flesh, born of a virgin in a little stable, in a little cradle. And that God of Israel come in the flesh, Mark 1 tells us, When Jesus shows up, he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. He came to take back the authority and stewardship of the world. And the stories of the Gospels is how God became king. And now we have a choice. Do we rightly steward the influence an authority that we've been given under God to work with our true king to help establish his rule and reign here on earth as it is in heaven, as Jesus tells us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. And so this idea of kingdom, although it may seem a little foreign to us, we're going to be talking about this over these next couple weeks. The primary way that Jesus then, his plan was to, to move forward the the kingdom of God and and, and as as bringers of goodness and blessing was through the church. There's really no plan B. You and I, we are the plan. And the book of Acts tells the story of how this church was established. And so we're we're gonna start in chapter four, like I read, and we're gonna kind of work our way backwards. I wanna see talk about just a couple marks of a Holy Spirit-empowered church. And this is what we see In the book of Acts, number one, we see that people are loved. The marks of a Holy Spirit-empowered church that is bringing the kingdom of God is saying that those who are outcasts, those who are sick, those who are demonized, those who are out of their mind, you are loved. That first song we sang has been kind of our theme song for 2021 as we went through the book of John. For God so loved the world that he gave. And one of the things we want to communicate every Sunday is it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what's been done to you. You are loved. You are welcomed. You are accepted. In the early church, we see that everyone is being loved and welcomed and embraced, whether you've been an outcast, whether you're a man or a woman who in that culture is a second-class citizen. Whether you came from the right racial or ethnic background, everyone was welcomed into the family of God. And that's a picture of what a Holy Spirit-empowered church looks like. Amen? That's what we want here at Mosaic. Amen? So number one, people are loved. Number two, we see that people are being saved. Throughout the book of Acts, we see that people who are far from Jesus, they start bowing their knee to Jesus. Non-Christians are becoming Christians. People are finding grace and mercy. We believe that Jesus really came. He was really born. He showed us what it meant that the kingdom of God was near by healing the sick, by feeding the hungry, by loving the unlovable, by teaching people a new way to live. Then he went to the cross. He died for our sins. He rose again. And now he says, you follow in my footsteps. And so we want to invite those around us to say, hey, if you have not made that choice, the free gift of salvation that is found only in Jesus Christ. You can be saved. You can be adopted. It's nothing to do with your own abilities or merit or anything, but simply what Jesus did. He just invites you to come follow me. But he's a gentleman. He's not going to force you. It's a choice. And so what we see in a Holy Spirit-empowered church, that people are loved, people are being saved, and number three, people are growing in their faith. All throughout the New Testament, in the book of Acts, we see a story unfolding of God building his church and of godly leaders equipping and empowering followers of Jesus. Here at Mosaic, we believe there's so much more to your Christian walk than simply watching a podcast or a sermon once a week and, and then just going on with your life. We believe that life was meant to be lived in community, to stretch each other as iron sharpens iron, now we're all on a journey in different places and our comfort level and gathering, that's okay. But we want to provide you opportunities that you can grow in your faith. We like to say always, arri- are always journeying, never arriving. Every one of us, whether we've been a follower of Christ for four decades or four months, you have a next step to take. And as your pastor, I want to help you take that next step. Here at Mosaic, way we do that is Sunday morning teaching. We open up the Bible. We we try to teach God's word. We also have midweek community groups that have just been kicking off now. Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, we gather in a home. We start with a simple worship song, a little time of prayer. We're talking about the spiritual practices. How can we make these spiritual habits a part of our daily life? Scripture reading, prayer, silence, solitude, Sabbath. That following Jesus is something we do, not just some mental beliefs. And we discuss that. And those groups are open to anyone. If you'd like to get involved, send me a message, put it in the connection card. Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, community groups. We have a, a Facebook private group for, for Mosaic. You can comment in there. And then um, what we've been doing this year, too, is a one-on-one discipleship with the Green Book. About five people in the church right now that I'm meeting with one-on-one. To sit across from you uh, for about an hour. We meet at a coffee shop, and we have this book called The Green Book, uh, which we like a lot. It's about a 15-week curriculum, and it just goes through, what does it look like to fall, be a follower of Jesus, to take that next step? And, and I've been stretched and encouraged by this, this book as well. And so we believe that people need to be growing in their faith. What is that next step? It's a Take part in those opportunities, one-on-one discipleship, being a part of a community group where we're discussing and and learning from each other, coming on Sunday mornings for biblical teaching. Uh, Just find a way that you can engage. And if if that doesn't work with your schedules, then find something else. Find some people that you can meet with. Hey, can we meet once a month for breakfast? And and, and we're going to dive into the scripture. We're going to stretch each other. We're going to encourage one another. I was meeting with Aaron yesterday morning. He's back serving in kids ministry. We're just talking about the, the need to, to be involved in community throughout the week, stretching each other. And I just I said to him, you know, what I've observed is when your spiritual walk is just you and Jesus, oftentimes it just becomes about you. But when we do life in community with us and Jesus, which is how the Bible is written, was to a community, is meant to be read out loud. That then we see many times, then, that as a community, as we discuss it and as we encourage each other, then it stretches our relationship with God and with others, is the vertical component as well as the horizontal component. And so, the marks of a Holy Spirit empowered church people are being loved, people are being saved, people are growing in their faith. Acts 4.31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with all boldness. My question for you today is: have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? That word that Paul uses uh, is not just a one-time occurrence, but it's a continual being filled by the Holy Spirit. We believe that when you choose to bow the knee to Jesus, When you cross that line of faith, you are signed and sealed and adopted into God's family. You are justified, which is a legal term, meaning that you've been made right with God. But then sanctification is a journey of becoming that which God has declared you to be. But in that sanctification process, we have a choice. How much am I going to open myself up to the Holy Spirit? And we see throughout the New Testament, Paul saying, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be filled with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And so my question for you is, is that one of your prayers? Are you waking up in the morning, spending time in in, in God's word, in his Bible, maybe journaling, whatever that might be, and just saying, Holy Spirit, I need you today. I I can't do this on my own. I need you to come and fill me. There's no way the early church goes from a ragtag group of nobodies in the backwards corner of the empire to changing the course of human history in 300 years if they were not filled continuously with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads us. He guides us. He empowers us. He fills us. So much of what Jesus calls us to do, we can't do on our own strength. Love your, neighbor, love your enemies, that is hard stuff. Be growing in love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, to try to do that in your own strength. That is impossible. But when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, He's growing that fruit in our lives. Number two, we see that they continue to speak the Word of God with all boldness. I want to encourage you: pray for boldness. I believe that each and every one of us have been placed and positioned with people around us that we may be the only ones that have the opportunity to point them to Jesus to the love and grace that they can experience, that they can find forgiveness, they can find community, they can find a bigger purpose in their life. But it's not, we're not going to speak up, we're not going to love well if we don't pray for that kind of boldness. We need to pray, God can make us more and more bold. We're going to talk about this a little bit next week, but if you go backwards in the chapter of Acts chapter 4, we see that Peter was arrested for preaching And he was beaten and eventually let go. And do you know what Peter prayed after that? Give us more boldness. (laughs) That should be our prayer too. God, give me a boldness to love well. To put aside politics. And if I'm a fan of the Vikings or the Seahawks or the Packers, amen. And instead, talk about Jesus. Talk about how he's changed your life. Share your story. Share how you can't make it without the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You know, develop those friendships. Invite someone to coffee or, uh, or, or disc golf or bowling A- and talk about the reason for your hope. Pray for boldness. Verse 32 says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. They were of one heart and and soul the early church we see had unity of heart and soul and this is evidence of the power of the Holy Spirit in the early church we see Jewish people coming in Gentiles, people from different parts of the empire all coming in people of wealth and means former slaves, former soldiers uh, you know uh, business women, all being invited into the church and what a beautiful display of, of unity see That's what we want. We want unity in our diversity, amen? If we are a gathering of people that vote all the same, that have the same interests, that all look the same, the world looks at that and says, eh, that's just kind of normal. But when we gather together in community with someone who voted differently than us, someone who was born in a different country, someone who cheers for a different football team than us, Then the world looks at that and says, wow, how are you able to do that? How are you able to gather together and you're meeting for coffee or you're going on a walk? You have nothing in common that I can see. And we say the thing that we have in common is that Jesus loves us and Jesus unites us by his Holy Spirit. That's what the world looks at and says, I I don't understand that. That is an uncommon unity that only comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we want to pray for unity in our diversity, not uniformity, amen? We're not all the same. I love that we have brothers and sisters in our church born in other countries, raised in other countries. Some of us were born in Iowa. I can't, I'm sorry. Some of us, you guys were born in Minnesota and you look down at us who we were born in Iowa. You know, wherever it might be, we vote for different people. Some of us love baseball, some of us love football. It doesn't matter. What unites us is Jesus. What unites us is that we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God, that we come to bring the rule and reign of God wherever we go, to bring little pockets of healing and hope and and truth and justice. We pray for unity of heart and soul. Verse 33 And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Great power and great grace. Great power and great grace. I think that's something we should pray for too. Power to speak with boldness. To do things for God. To love our neighbors well. But not just bulls in the china shop. Not just being arrogant or knowing, hey, we got all the right answers. But great grace. Unmerited favor. To say, hey, nothing that we did simply that jesus chose us he adopted us and and now man, i'm just so thankful for that and now i'm gonna extend you grace i'm gonna believe the best i'm gonna pray and operate in great power we're gonna believe we're gonna gonna love well we're gonna lead well but also great grace that's the marks of the kingdom of god that's the upside-down kingdom that flips it on its head that the world says you got to have great power and great authority. You have to lord it over others. You have to walk in the room, and everyone needs to know that you are in control, that you are in charge. And yet Jesus flipped it on his head with great grace. He, the night before he went to the cross, he went down on his knees, and he loved and served his disciples by washing their feet, by welcoming the children. That's the upside-down kingdom of not doing like the world says. It's great power and great grace. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as they had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, Sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Finally, we see that the Holy Spirit brings extraordinary generosity. Generosity is evidence of the Holy Spirit. See, one of the evidences that someone has received Jesus and and received the Holy Spirit is they have a transition in their life of how they view their possessions and their wealth, their time, their talent, and their treasure. The early church, they are filled with the Holy Spirit and they gave generously, cause and effect. The Holy Spirit empowers them to be generous. Here's the things, that you and I are not naturally inclined to be generous. Generosity, therefore, is not natural. It's supernatural. God has to change us, to connect us to Jesus and provide for us the person, the presence, and the power of the Holy Spirit in order to give our lives away, to give our time away, to give our talents away. Some of us, I think, we resist the idea of being generous because we think, well, I I just need to get all I can get for my own family. I got to fill up my own kid's schedule, you know, from morning till night with activities so they have every opportunity. Well, maybe your kid needs a few less opportunities. Have you ever met a kid who's been given everything they ever want? Yeah, no one likes that kid. (laughs) Sometimes we need to give our kids a bigger picture. To say, hey, this is why we serve together as a family. Hey, this is why we give generously. Hey, kids, this is why we have, personally, four compassion kids, one for each of our kids. Hey, write a letter. I know, you'd rather be playing video games, but, you know, take your time, give generously of your time to write this letter to your compassion kid in Guatemala or, or Tanzania or wherever our compassion kids are, I think we have four different countries. This is why. We spend the $38 a month. This is why we give to our church. Talk about it with your kids. That The Holy Spirit empowers us to be generous. This is why we invite people into our home on Wednesday nights for community groups. We have a dozen kids in our basement and it's a little crazy. But we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to be generous with, with, with our home, with our possessions, with our wealth, with, with our talent, with, our, with everything that God gives us. See, because when we meet Jesus, he starts to change our heart. And one of the things that Jesus births in us is generosity. It means we're not just looking for ways that we can take. We're looking for ways that we can give. We're moving from consumers to contributors. Say, hey, we're on mission together. There's a whole needy world out there. And what can we accomplish together? And as apprentices of Jesus, we're grateful for the generosity of God. If you are a follower of Jesus, then you've been saved by grace alone, through faith alone, so you have nothing to boast about. That is the foundation of our generosity. Romans 5 8 tells us that you, our new life in Christ, our hope, our joy, is given us freely while we were yet sinners. And now, out of response to that, we say, you know what? My life is not my own. My body is not my own. My finances is not my own. King Jesus, what do you want to do with my life, with my finances, with my time, with my talents? how my stewarding my relationships my children everything that you've given me we we move from thinking that we're owners to stewards that God is the owner that God is the king that every good gift he's given us every breath in our lungs every talent every ability that we have has been given us by God not just for ourselves but to be a blessing to bring the kingdom of God here And if we change our mindset from owners to stewards, we'll say, okay, God, thank you for these gifts and talents and abilities you've given me. I also have some weaknesses. So I need to be in community with others to expose those weaknesses, to work together, to love others well. And we move from being consumers to contributors. Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you asking, Jesus, fill me with your spirit, empower me, are you praying to be filled with boldness? To say, hey, that neighbor, I haven't really talked too much because sometimes their dog comes and goes to the bathroom of my yard. Eh, I don't know about this. You know, I'm going to bake him some cookies. I'm going to go get to know them. That one coworker who drives me a little nuts, I'm going to invite him out to lunch. I'm, I'm going to start to invest in relationships so I can have the boldness to share the reason for my hope and how Jesus has changed my life. Are we praying for unity of heart and soul, unity in our diversity, that we celebrate that we don't all look the same, that we weren't all born in the same year, that we come from different generations? Let me tell you, the different small groups, community groups I've been a part of, it's such a gift to be with people who have different perspectives. Because then when we, we read the word of God together, they have a different lens than what I have. As a young dad with four kids, like, I see things a certain way. And a 20-something who's not married without kids, they might see something totally different. Someone who's an empty nester might see something different. And that's the beauty of God's word is as we read it and, and we discuss it, we can have a unity of heart and mind and soul and purpose while being different. Pray for great power and great grace power to do what God has called us to do, to be the person that Jesus wants us to be, to to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, to do the things that he does. But as we do those things for him, we have to pray for great grace as well. Here's the thing is when you live and do community with others, people are going to let you down. Someone's going to send a text and you're going to be like, that was weird, why did they say it this way? Someone's going to not have the right coffee, or you show up at a community group and, and it's not the right music playing, or, or someone posts them on Facebook and it disagrees with their political views. What do we do? Do we cut out those relationships? Do we go find a different faith community? No. We pray for great grace. Great grace. If God so loved the world and he forgave every one of our sins... We're called to do the same to each other, to extend grace, lots and lots of grace. And then finally, exceedingly generous. What does that mean for you? How can you continue to transition from thinking like an owner to thinking like a steward? That your time, your talent, your treasure, your relationships, your business skills— your influence, all these things have been placed in your hands for a purpose, for his glory, his kingdom. That you can bring the kingdom of God here on earth. That's our prayer. As we talk about this upside-down kingdom, as we work our way through backwards, of this is where we are, this is what we're called to be as, as his church. And, and we're gonna see how 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 do we live that out? As we read Jesus' story and what do the gospel writers mean? Why do they have all these chapters in between Christmas and the cross? And 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 there has to be more. There has to be more than just believing something and going to heaven when I die. There has to be more than just watching a sermon once a week and maybe open my Bible every once in a while. There is more. You and I were created for a purpose. You and I were created in the image of God. And with that becomes responsibility, authority, influence. To steward what God has given us. To bring his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Would you join me in prayer? God, I thank you for your great love and your great grace. Thank you that you saw us in our mess and knew that we cannot save ourselves. And so you came clothed in flesh. The word became flesh who moved into our neighborhood, announcing that the kingdom of God has come near. And so now, God, let us believe that. Let us be your stewards. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room. You would just speak to them right now. Give them guidance, give them direction to steward the things that you have given them. The talents, the time they have, the relationships, the influence, the treasure, the money, the wealth, the resources they have. And God, I just pray that we would have open hands and open hearts and just say, how do you want me to live in such a way that is for your good and for your glory? That expands your kingdom here on earth. Thank you, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Why don't you stand? I think we're going to close out here singing. And uh, again, just so glad that you joined us today. Stick around afterwards. Get to know someone new in the lobby. I uh, would love to meet you. Uh, again, my name is Eric. Um, I'm a very hands-on pastor. So uh, if we've not had a meal together or a coffee, I'd love to do that. Um, that's kind of how I roll. Um, we've talked about Lego connectors. So each of us have different sized ones. Some of us have little four pieces with maybe four relationships. I have a big 64-piece Lego connector. Uh, so I love having community with people, meeting with people. If you want to know more about our community groups, talk to me. Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, we just gather together, worship, pray, um, talk about God's word. Um, But may you know that God so loved you, that you were made in his image for a purpose and for a reason. Let's go out of here singing this morning.